Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. It's great to be with you tonight. And if you have your Bibles with you, uh, awesome. Uh, we want to get into the Word of the Lord tonight. And the last number of weeks, almost two months now, this is part seven, we've been going through the book of Colossians. And if, you, uh, if you're just catching us for the first time tonight, uh, make sure that you go back um, in this series that I've entitled the preeminent series or preeminence series, uh, either one. But uh, it's amazing, um, this, this book, just four short chapters, and so it's not a long book, but where Ephesians focuses in on the body of Christ and, and who we are in Christ and all of that. Colossians focuses in on who Jesus is and that the fact that he's preeminent. So uh, if you ever have a chance uh, or if you have a chance, read through that book. But tonight we're going to be uh, jumping right into this. And uh, the title for tonight is Preeminent, Destroying the Works of the Devil. And before we get started, I'm just going to open uh, with prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we're two are gathered in your name. You are in their midst, Lord, and we just thank you for that. And Lord, uh, as this word comes across to each and every heart that is watching online, and um, Lord, uh, I just pray that there would be a speaking into their heart and life regarding where their faith is at, and also their interactions with others. Lord, I just pray this in Jesus' name, that life would be good and what you intended for it to be for us on this side of heaven as your children. Lord, I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so anyways, uh, I want, if you would, uh, turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. And you might say, oh, pastor, you know, we're, we're already way past Colossians 1, verse 3. But sometimes it's good just to go back and just to get a, a, a bit of a, an idea of, of where we're heading here. And even tonight, this uh, verse, verse 3, uh, it really focuses in on what we're going to be touching on tonight. It says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. So your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, as we go on, uh, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, then uh, says a prayer and, and he indicates what the things that he's praying. And once again, this is by the Holy Spirit. I just want to read it from verse 9, Colossians 1, verse 9. Because of their faith in Christ Jesus and because of their love for all the saints, this is what is available to them and should be available to them as Jesus is preeminent in their life. And obviously, Jesus is preeminent in their life because uh, he's speaking of it, their faith in Christ Jesus and it's affecting their interactions with other believers. Uh, so important. So tonight we're going to be, we, we we're going to talk about destroying the works of the devil and uh, recognizing that our faith 
and our interactions with others uh, shut down this area of the enemy uh, in our lives or coming against us. So often, those are two areas uh, that are a focus of the enemy. Obviously, destroying your faith and the interactions that you would have with others. So tonight, uh, if you're struggling with uh, your interactions with a brother or sister in the Lord, maybe it might be your spouse, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your parents, uh, maybe it's, it's a brother or sister in the Lord uh, within the body of Christ, and the, the interactions are not good. Um, we want to touch on that because that's where the enemy uh, likes to, to cause problem if he can, especially with relationships with others. So tonight is, is about relationships. And the, the interesting thing is if you want to have good relationship, the first part has to happen so that the second part can, can go. And, and a lot of times we, we don't tie these things together. But here Paul, by the Spirit, is indicating uh, these two things, their faith and their love for all the saints. And now, he says in verse 9, he says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that's not just for them 2,000 years ago, the church of Colossae. But it is for us today that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that it would come to be uh, knowledge to us, but also that it would uh, be fulfilled in our lives, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, so in right standing with the Lord, and living life in right standing, fully pleasing him. And tonight, really, we'll be focusing in on that being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So this is uh, uh, everything that you touch. Listen to me, folks, tonight. Listen. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is for me as well. The Lord is speaking into my heart and life. And just and we can recognize that, there is, that we would be fruitful in every good work, everything that we do, that it's good, and that there's a fruitfulness about it. I say praise God. And increasing in the knowledge of God, getting to know him better, strengthened with all might, so able to do the things that we can with the power of God, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Recognizing these things that don't always happen right away. And today, that was that was me. I was frustrated. It was almost, I was frustrated with God. God, come on. How come this isn't happening? Or why isn't this coming to pass? And so there was a frustration on my part. But the Lord is saying here that, that we would have patience in it. Not that I, I said, you know, God, I'm done with you. It was just like, okay, I'm frustrated. But to be able to get through it, even though things aren't happening the way uh, I would want or that, uh, that God would say, hey, this should be happening. It's not happening. And long-suffering with joy so that, that we can, uh, even when we go through hard times, difficult times, there's a joy knowing uh, that we are not alone. The Lord is with us. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Once again, to know that there is something ahead of us, that we have an inheritance. And some of that is being realized now on this side of heaven, but for what is yet to come. 
just like, thank you, Lord, for what is yet to come. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, where we have take, been taken out of darkness, put into his marvelous light, into his kingdom, and that is the kingdom of the son of his love. Praise God, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There has been a buying. We were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we have forgiveness of sins. We are in right standing. So there is so much here. And this is what Paul was, was writing to them, and he's saying, this is what I'm praying. And this is uh, not just wishful thinking of, of my prayers for you, but this is what should happen and will happen as your faith continues in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. Praise God. So this is possible. This is, this is positive stuff. It's for us. Yes, I'm not saying that we won't have difficulties. We won't go through uh, struggles in life. We're not saying that we won't have storms or we won't have temptations. Those things will be. But all these other things, even in the midst of that, is is there for us and in it overcoming the enemy hallelujah this is all because jesus there there's a placing of faith in jesus and keeping him preeminent in our life preeminent means first jesus is lord he is master he we are submitted to his will it says in verse 15 it says he is the image and this is, uh, uh, well, let me read. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. We are talking about every aspect of our life of the lives of everybody on this planet, even angels, we're talking about demons, we're talking about principalities and powers, we're even talking about the fallen angel Lucifer, uh, we call Satan. Um, all of these, the Lord is above them, and it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He should have preeminence in our lives and in your life. And I pray to God tonight that that is the case, that he is preeminent in your life. You, you place him there. You choose. God will not force himself to be Lord in your life. Let me just say this. I'm talking to every believer out there that, that obviously you are saved. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. Jesus will not force himself to be Lord in your life. You place him as Lord in your life. Now, is he preeminent? He is preeminent. But when it comes to our lives, and even for the believer, unbeliever out there, I want you to know that Jesus will never force himself into your life unless you allow him, as you hear about him and the fact that he died for you and you allow him your choice into your life, it's only then that he comes in. And as he saves you from your sins, the next thing that he would desire is that we would make him Lord. Why? So all the things that I read in verses 9 to 14 can come to pass. 
He desires for blessing in your life. He wants, because he is preeminent, and he desires to be preeminent in your life, as he is preeminent in your life, there are things that will change tremendously and quickly in your life and as you move forward. Praise God. Colossians 2, verse 15, and we've been stuck on the middle of Colossians. We had already gone ahead and finished off the end of it uh, early on, but we were, as we were moving through, Colossians 2, verses 11 to 15, we've been uh, uh, hanging on those verses for the last number of weeks. So it says in verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In what? And we read of that just in the verses before. It's in his death. So the enemy has been disarmed, and he's made a public spectacle of them. In other words, he just blew them away in his death, triumphing over them in his death. Listen, in verses 11, Colossians 2, 11 and 15 says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So there's a lot of three times circumcision is mentioned, which is being, it's being cut off. When something is cut off, the flesh being cut off, and not with, with hands, but there's a spiritual work that is being done. And we, we went into detail on that a few, uh, no, no, a few weeks back. And by the circumcision of Christ, basically as Jesus was cut off, we have life. We were buried with him in baptism. So we were uh, put into his death spiritually by faith. And we were buried with him in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So just as he was raised from the dead... We who were dead in trespasses and sins, as our faith was in Jesus Christ, are raised to new life in him. Praise God. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, your flesch not being cut off and cut and, and just, yeah, crucified, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. So here we were made alive together with him because our faith was in him. And we were forgiven of all our trespasses and all the things that were against us, the things of the law that was against us was taken care of on the cross and it says, and he is taking it out of the way. All the things against us, the law where we broke the law, and we were guilty and condemned. He took care of it on the cross, having it nailed to the cross. All the things that were against us, he took the blame and the, the consequence of our sins, which is separation from God, so that we could have life as we believe by faith. And in that, it says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in his death. Praise God. So... Last week, we talked about victory over the enemy. But when it comes to destroying the works of the devil, we want to get into that a little bit more because um, it impacts our interactions with others. And it also, inter it, it also impacts our daily life. Satan 
I'll tell you, he'll, he wants to do a number on us daily. And, and that's without us having any interaction with anybody else, just on our own. And I'll tell you, he will come to you with all kinds of different things uh, and, and especially condemning us and saying, hey, you're not a believer. Or you think you're good enough? You think you can make it? Are you really a Christian? Are you going to make it when the trumpet sounds? And so he's coming and he's, he's, he's condemning us. And sometimes, especially when we slip and fall and we sin, he's, there's, another, there's a condemnation, condemnation immediately and we feel that condemnation against us. It's not of God. It is of Satan. So... Today, this, I want to deal with that aspect of our daily life personally and then also this thing of uh, impacting others because I'll tell you right now, depending on where we are spiritually on a daily basis will impact how we interact with others. So uh, this is what we want to talk about to destroy the works of the devil in our life. In our life. And I, if I could extend that uh, title... It would be by practicing righteousness. And I, I, last uh, week, uh, I know it was a longer uh, study, and I didn't even finish off. And there were a few more passages that I didn't touch on, and I recognized there's no way that I can even go into that because it's going to take another hour. And so here we are going into it. And I just have a few questions uh, for you. And I touched on them already. Are you struggling with how you feel before the Lord? Like you're not good enough. Is that, is, are you struggling with that? Like you're not good enough before the Lord? Will I make it when the trumpet sounds? I can remember as a kid, as a teenager, more so as a teenager, I was, I was always like, oh my goodness, if the trumpet sounds, will I make it? And I can remember there was one time where... Uh, I got home, so I must have been a, a, a late teen. I had got home, and nobody was at home. And it was unusual because usually when there was nobody at home, my mom, my dad, or my brothers, uh, especially with my parents, there would be a note or something saying, hey, listen, we're away, or we went here or there, and um, nothing, none of that. And so I get home, and, and the thought crossed my mind did the, did the rapture take place? Did the trumpet sound and I missed the rapture? Has that thought ever crossed your mind as a believer? I'll tell you right now, um, that, cro that thought doesn't cross my mind. It used to. It doesn't anymore. And not because I'm any better. I'm not, it's not like I, I there's, it's, it's so much about me and how good I am, but it's about this thing that we're talking about tonight, to destroy the works of the devil in our life by practicing righteousness. Are you struggling with your thoughts or attitudes or actions and speech towards a brother or sister in the Lord? Are you struggling there? Are you Maybe you have a struggle. You say, hey, pastor, I have struggle with you. I, have, I, my, I don't have the right attitude towards you, pastor. And maybe it's not so much a thing of action and speech, but it's more a thing of thoughts and attitudes that aren't right. 
And sometimes our thoughts and attitudes, the other person or people around us may not know what we're thinking. They don't know what we're thinking, but our thoughts and attitudes are not right, and especially for towards the saints. And when I say saints, I'm not talking about the thing of, of being perfected. Uh, every behavior, everything is, is perfect. But it does mean the saints as in they are in the right standing before God. And so we'll sort of delve into that a little bit. Is the enemy stealing from you and overcoming you when it comes to your daily walk? Do you feel as if you are not in right standing with God? In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said about the thief, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And this word of, of abundantly is about fullness of life fullness of life do you experience fullness of life and once again i'm not saying that that you that there's no storm or temptation uh or or struggle uh when it comes to what's going on around you that's not what it comes to what it means to have abundant life but rather it's where you are at in the midst of the storm in the midst of the temptation in the midst of the hardships that may be around you you know hey Man, life is good because I am right standing with God. And the Lord will see me through. Hallelujah. So today, coming out of this thing of having disarmed principalities and powers, even Satan, making a public spectacle of them and triumphing over them in it, in his death, this is where I, wa I want to focus in on that. And I want, if you have your Bibles with, with you and if you're taking notes, we want to jump to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And this idea of practicing righteousness, and we'll see as we start to read through this, um, this chapter. In fact, the first letter, so much of it is, is John speaks of love again and again and again. Love for, for God and love for our brothers and sisters. And so it's interwoven in that first uh, letter that John writes, uh, John the disciple of, of Jesus. And we, we see of that right off the bat in this very first verse of chapter 3. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, to be even called children of God. Can you believe it? Wow. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what he what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so here is there's an alluding of the fact that there that as children of God, as when Jesus is revealed, when is, will he be revealed to us? And we're talking face to face when the trumpet sounds at the resurrection or the rapture of the body of Christ, we will see Jesus face to face. And in that split moment, in the twinkling of an eye, as fast as I snap my finger, there will be a change within us. We will go from corruption to incorruption from mortality to immortality we will be changed in a twinkling of an eye praise god we don't know the extent of of all of this we have inklings of it as we read scripture but we don't know the change that will take place in us it will be a marvelous thing 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when it comes to Jesus come, or his return, and I, I want to say at this time, Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon. So what should we do in light of his coming? And Satan, this is where Satan, listen, Satan knows that the time before, his, before the return of the Lord is short, or it's not. And so there's been an intensifying of the things of wit, wickedness and darkness. Our world is such, in such turmoil. There's such wickedness and evil in this world, and even to the point where that which is good is spoken of as being evil, and that which is evil is now put in as being good. It's it's okay, and these things are 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 contrary to the things of God. As dark as it may be, thank God that we, as a light and a witness, doesn't take much light to dispel darkness. But how should we be? And Satan is doing whatever he can to to shut down you as a believer and the church, the body of Christ. He wants to to persecute and oppress and and come against and and battle the church. But rather than us being on a defensive, at this time the Lord would have us go forward. Truly, that we would destroy the works of the devil in our lives and in our, our fellowship as believers, that there would be a destroying of the works of the enemy brutally and, and, and vigorously and powerfully. So as Jesus' return is coming near and Satan's intent is to steal, kill, and destroy, what should we do? It says, and everyone who has this hope of Jesus being revealed to them in him, in Christ, purifies himself just as he is pure. And so the next number of verses will will delve into this aspect of being pure as he is pure, to purify ourselves, to, to be in right standing. So what are we purifying ourselves from? Well, let's read on in verse 4, 1 John 3, verse 4. Whoever commits sin or practices sin, also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he, that's Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. All right, there is no sin in him. You say, well, but pastor, you know what? I know, uh, hey, I, I sinned today, or I, I fell today spiritually in that I, I have sinned, or I... I so how can it be? It says here, whoever abides in him does not sin or practice sin. If we abide in the Lord, we do not practice sin. So we don't, listen, when, when it comes to practicing something, it's being done over and over, again and again. When you practice uh, an instrument, you, you'll take hours just to, to run through a song or to 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 hone even a portion of the song to get it right right down and so you're going over again and again and again that's practicing in in athletics before you play a game there's there's often there's if you don't practice you won't get any better but here we're talking about sin to practice sin means that we are it's happening again and again and and it's, it's almost to the point where we're getting it's Things are getting worse. 
and they will get worse as we practice sin. But it says, whoever abides in him, whoever abides means to live in Christ. Whoever is in Christ does not sin or practice sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. So if there's a continuation of practice, and I, I just want to say this very clearly tonight. If you profess to be a believer and are practicing sin, sin, you need to repent and you need to place your faith in Christ. You need to, there needs to be a change of this. You cannot be practicing sin. So you might say, Pastor, do you never sin? Listen, I just, I just said to you, yeah, uh, uh, I guess, in, yeah, today there was sin. And it was even in my thought and my heart towards God in being frustrated and dis to the point of disappoint disappointment. Lord, how come? How come? Now, that was a thought and an attitude that lasted for a short period of time, but it's a frustration. And, but anyways, here, it, it's John right away. He's not, he's, listen to the wording here. It says, little children. And he's, it's not like he's looking down, but he's, he's trying to, to say that you are a child of God. You are a child of God. You may be struggling with sin, but I want to help you to overcome. And this is, once again, the Holy Spirit inspiring John to write when it comes to dealing with sin personally. And I, I, so I want to, uh, this thing of practicing sin, or if we abide in Christ, we will not practice sin. So you say, Pastor Dave, do you practice sin? I do not practice sin. I may slip and fall in sin, but it's not like, oh man, I can't wait to go and sin. Or I'm gonna I'm planning on sinning again. I can't wait till I, 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 I go and sin again. That is not where where I am at at this point in time. Not to say I'm any better than you, but there is something I've grabbed a hold here of what John is trying to say, to abide in Christ. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So here's this thing of, not the thing of practicing of sin, but there's this thing of a practice of righteousness. So, well, let me read on. It says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. So if there's a practice of sin, is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. You know if you're, as you're practicing sin, you recognize, okay, this is not of God. This is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. So the things of a practice of sin, it says he who sins is or practices sin is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil so jesus came and was manifested that means he came 2000 years ago he was manifested that the the that to destroy the works of the devil so the thing is well how does his death on the cross 2000 years ago help me today 2000 years later 
How can we destroy the work of the devil in our own life? He's coming against us. So how does what Jesus did 2,000 years ago help us to destroy the works of the devil? We need to grab a hold of this. And once again, we read from Colossians 2.15. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in his death, his circumcision of Jesus being cut off from the, from the living. It says in verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin or practice sin, for his seed remains in him. The word of God remains in the person. So, uh, and he cannot sin, or in other words, he cannot continue to practice sin. It's just like, no, no, I cannot do that. I will not do that. And so there is a stopping of a continuation of the practice of sin. Because he has been born of God. In fact, it started the moment you gave your life to the Lord. When you gave your life to the Lord, you confessed your sin. You believed in Jesus and what he did for you 2,000 years ago. The fact that he died, he was buried, he rose again. And you allowed Jesus to come in your life. And there was a, a supernatural work that took place immediately by faith. Because of your faith in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of, the, of God in your life at that moment transformed you and made you alive spiritually. You became a child of God. You were born of God, it says here. Because we were born of God. And so there was, there was a change that took place. In fact, think about it. Didn't sin or desiring to sin become repulsive to you or it's like no no no, I can't do that and it's things that you may have done for years without any uh, I don't know any any thought that it was wrong or maybe it, 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 there was a conviction when you first started this particular sin over the years it was like who cares it doesn't matter as an unbeliever but as a believer as you gave your life to the Lord it's like I can't keep doing that I need to stop that that's not right. And so there's a work because your faith was in Christ. Now there's changes taking place in you. And sometimes it's extremely uh, dramatic, the changes that can take place in a person as they, as they move on by faith in Jesus Christ. And it happens immediately because you placed your faith in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. And it continues on as your faith continues in Jesus Christ. Now, it says here, and this is the second verse. In verse 7, it talks about he who practices righteousness. And then again in verse 10 now, it says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. They're, it comes to light who is a child of God and who is a child of the devil. Two things are mentioned. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother or sister. So these two things are evident. Listen to me, believer. If you are, if you don't practice righteousness, and it's like, are, pastor, are you talking about me being a good person, doing the right things? Yes, but that's almost like the, the cart before the horse. 
We say, well, I got to be a good person. I got to do right things. And the Lord is saying, that's not how we practice righteousness by Dave doing the right things. That's not how I practice righteousness. And we want to get into that. So these two things, and, and it's interesting that here there's this tying in with our interactions with brothers and sisters in the Lord. The way you treat, and it could, once again, it could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a parent. It could be a brother or sister uh, in the Lord, spiritually, in the church, whatever. But there is this, this uh, uh, manifestation of whether you are a child of God or a child of the devil. And so we need to look at this here, these two things. And the one, when it comes to loving your brother or sister in the Lord, is definitely a thing that starts with the practice of righteousness. To practice righteousness. It's a strange phrase. And once again, if we skim through this quickly, it means I need to be a good person. I need to do the right things. And if, if that's the reading that you get in this, it's not the correct reading. Okay? So to practice righteousness and to love our brother and sister, these two things, if they're not there, the word is here is very harsh. It's just very black and white and saying you're either a child of God if you practice righteousness and love your brother or sister, or you are a child of the devil. It's shown that you're a child of the devil if you don't practice righteousness or, and loving your brother or sister. And this practice of righteousness precedes how we interact with others, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, that it would be in love. So these two verses, verse 7 and 10. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So it's to practice righteous, he who practices righteous, righteousness is righteous. Hmm. Okay. Practicing righteousness. How? And I already said and mentioned that if we think it's doing the right things before the Lord, that's not it. That's not practicing righteousness here. That's not what John is trying to say here. You know what? Think about it. There are so many things coming against us. We have our own flesh. If our flesh is not crucified daily, you will be fighting against your own flesh, which craves different things. You have passions and desires and lusts. You say, oh my goodness. And you're, you're saying, hey, I'm a believer. And you're, within your own flesh, I'm talking your own body, there's things you're craving. Listen, have you attempted to, to say no? I'm not going to. And, and it's the more you try to say no to the temptation and this craving of the flesh, the more, the stronger it, it seems to get. Say, so, well, I need to do it. And finally, it gets to the point where, you know what? Oh, forget it. I can't deal, deal with this. It's like 24 7. I'm, I'm trying to resist the temptation and the urges and, and the whatever. 
and then you you are overcome you are you just submit you succumb to to your own flesh and the next thing you know you sin and it's not just our flesh we have the world we have the things of the world they're pumping stuff at us and it's like hey why don't you try this or why don't you take that and it's there's everything that caters to the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life the things of the world coming against you that cater to these things it's like oh my goodness how can i live in this world and and so often the believer is battling this and the lord is saying here little children let no one deceive you he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous just as the lord jesus is righteous so are we we are righteous as we practice practice righteousness huh not only do we have the flesh and the world coming against us then we also have demonic influences i'll tell you right now there are times and i don't know if this has ever happened to you where a thought pops into your mind you say where did that come from and it is not good it's not a good thought it's a a thought for you to head in the wrong direction you say where did that come from i'll tell you right now it's not just of our flesh or it's not just our flesh or or the things of this world but there are demonic influences or attacks against us and we need to recognize it and this is what i'm talking about here is to overcome not just the things of the flesh or the things of the world but even to overcome the demonic attacks against you that may be on a daily basis that you could just say you know what it doesn't matter the enemy can come against me i will overcome practicing righteousness once again i mentioned earlier when it comes to practice practicing something practicing sin we sh- could should not do practicing righteousness we need to do practicing means it needs to happen regularly i can remember as a kid um uh i played the hawaiian guitar the steel guitar there's a a, a man in our church way back then this was i just young we weren't uh was another church in Port Colborne my dad was pastoring at and anyways there's a there's a, a man in the church that played the hawaiian guitar and so i uh, hey dave i was just a little guy do you want to learn how to play the, the hawaiian guitar hey sure okay that's cool so I played the Hawaiian or I I I went for lessons once a week and got to learn to play the Hawaiian guitar. Trust me, it's been years since I played. But I can remember uh I got to a point where practicing was was no longer it's like, "Oh man, I really don't want to do this," especially as I got a little bit older. I didn't want to practice. So I can remember back in the day, we had tape recorders. Some of you that are old, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can remember uh the one time I um I took the tape recorder and I recorded I, I was supposed to practice, you know, at least 5 times a week for half an hour. And so I could remember recording the first 15 minutes and then I just played back the the 15 minutes over again. I just rewound and played it back and I I don't know what I did. I read a book or something. And uh so 
that's not what practicing righteousness is. There's, a, there's not a cheating or, a, or whatever. It, there is a thing of doing something regularly, as in daily, to practice righteousness. It's about being right and right standing with God all the time. And the beautiful thing is, as we practice righteousness, we will be able to, to be in right standing with the Lord and begin to have right interactions with our brothers and sisters in the Lord to, to love them. Listen, if you're struggling with a person that is, is a believer as well, I'm not saying that they're, they're perfect. They may be irritating to you or they may be doing the wrong things, whatever. But to be able to love them despite that, as we practice righteousness, this is possible. So be encouraged. Now, this word righteousness, and this is, I love when I, when this first, when I went to the Greek on this, uh, I don't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the word because I know I'm going to butcher it. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it. But the, the meaning of it is this. In a broad sense, the state of a person who is as they ought to be in righteousness, in the condition acceptable to God. To be, let me just say again, to be in the right state before God. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't say, oh my goodness, there, there's unrighteousness. God looks at us when we're in that place of righteousness and he says, you are as you ought to be before me. You say, well, pastor, even if we may slip or fall in sin, even then. And this is what, for me, I, growing up, I'll tell you, when I slipped and sinned, and it happened again, and you, there's a resisting, and it, it happened again. And, and there was always this thing of, oh, man, I hope the Lord does, the trumpet doesn't sound now because I'm not in right standing. Because I slipped and fell. You know what? I recognize that my righteousness, as good as I can be, is not good enough. It's the righteousness of Jesus on me and in me that allows me to be in right standing before the Lord. Hallelujah. Before God. He says, so this is uh, going to verse 11. 1 John 3, 11, it says, For this is a message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Okay, now this is interesting, and I, I touched on this a few weeks back. And I just, this is worth just reiterating tonight. This is critical. You might say, well, what did Cain do and what did Abel do? And, and I just want to read it quickly. Genesis chapter 4 from verses 1 to 5, okay? Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time his brother Abel, so Cain and Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. 
Now, just as I'm reading this, this is chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. This is the first mention of now siblings and interaction and relationship between brothers. All right? We're talking about relationship with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so here we have this, this account here, and it's at the very beginning of the word of God to us. Verse 3, Genesis 4, 3 says, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So the offering was, he was a farmer, so he took his, the best of his grains or whatever, the things that he had planted, and he t or he had tilled the soil, and he had planted, he had watered, whatever, and he took the labor of his hands, and he brought it to the Lord. Beautiful, uh, the crops and everything and whatever. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. So what did, what did Abel do? He just went to, the, to the, his flock and he chose the firstborn of, that, of his flock and of their fat. So it was, it was a, a healthy firstborn lamb. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So you say, that's not fair. God, that's not fair. How can you respect one over the other? I'll tell you, the reason that it's so early on in the, in the, in the Bible, the very first book, the very first few chapters, as we recognize there was a falling from being in the presence of God of, of uh, Adam and Eve, and they, because they sinned, they were cast out of, they, they died spiritually that day, not physically, but spiritually they died the day they sinned, and the moment they sinned, they died, and so God, they were put out of the presence of God. And here, God made a way early on for Abel, listen, if Cain would have said, even come to his brother and said, hey, Abel, you know what? I know what God desires as sacrifice. Let me take one of your, can I have one of your sheep? I'll buy it from you. I'm just interjecting here. You know what? God desires the sacrifice. Cain's, Cain's uh, sacrifice were of his own hands and labor. He tilled the soil. He did the work. Listen, folks, I, wanna, I just want to say this to you at this time. When we attempt to be good in our own strength, our own ability, I will be a good person, I will do the right things, it is not acceptable to God, the Father. It is not acceptable. Our righteousness, you, as good as we can be, as good as we can be, and we see that in the book of Job. He was, he's, hey, haven't you seen my, my servant Job? He's righteous, as righteous as he can be. He doesn't sin, or he hasn't sinned. The biggest sin that Job committed was, like Cain, his faith was in his own righteousness. His own effort. 
and what he could do. Listen, folks, we cannot work or, or live each day in that way. Because when we do, we are not practicing righteousness. We are not in the right place before the Lord. Because the only one that is righteous is Jesus Christ. And it is only as we place our faith in Jesus Christ daily, daily, practice. A practice means on a regular basis. In this case, daily, Jesus says, take up the cross. Daily taking up your cross. It becomes a thing of, that's where I identify daily, my righteousness is not in how good I can be and, and, and not to do this or not to do this or to do this and to do that. As good as the doing the right things is, it's not good enough. It's the practicing of righteousness of my faith being daily in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross so that my offering to the Lord is not how good I am. My offering to the Lord is, Father, my faith is in your son that you gave for me, that died for me. That is where my faith is in daily for my righteousness. Because my righteousness is not good enough. It is the righteousness of Jesus on me and in me that is acceptable to you. See, this was not acceptable. Cain's sacrifice and offering probably took way more work, way more effort. It was way more work and way more effort. And he brought the best of who he was and what he did. And it was, as it says here, it says in verse 5, Genesis 4, verse 5, it says, But he, God, did not respect Cain and his offering. Wow. Not only his offering was unacceptable, but Cain was unacceptable before the Lord because Cain's faith was in himself. Whereas Abel, his faith before the Lord was in the sacrifice. That's where we need to be daily when it comes to practicing righteousness. Abel's sacrifice was in the shedding of blood of an innocent sacrifice, not of his own hands. The animal died. It wasn't just like he gave a live animal to the Lord. It was sacrificed. It was killed. Abel killed the, the, this lamb. In Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. He was in right standing with God. God testifying of his gifts and saying, well, this is, this is what you're offering me, which is in the sacrifice. And for us, it's saying, if you read the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, it's all about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. That's what the first 10 chapters of Hebrews is all about. And chapter 11 talks about faith again and again and again. And how as we go live by faith, as we practice righteousness, as we live by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, now there is an impact in our lives that we are in the right standing before God. And at that point, there's a whole whack of things now that can start to happen. And one of them, powerfully, is the Holy Spirit begin, being able to do a work that we cannot do. So up until we start to practice righteousness, we are attempting to be right before God in our own effort, and we are basically grieving the Holy Spirit, saying, hey, I got this. And whether we are, we are doing that knowingly, 
we're definitely doing it unknowingly. We're just saying, Holy Spirit, no, no, no. I'm, I'm depending on myself, my righteousness. And the Holy Spirit's, we're, we're grieving the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is desiring to say, oh, but I can do things within you that you can never do on your, on your own. Listen, I want to say this to, to those out there that are struggling with relationship. And you're struggling, you just, just say, I, I just can't. That person, I just can't stand them. I want you to know, and your, all your efforts, they're not working out. I want you to know that you can love. You can love a brother or sister in the Lord. You can love your spouse. You can love your child, even as they might be going, or they're not where they should be at. You can love them in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your own effort. Because as much as you may conjure or desire to conjure up love, it's just not happening because you are depending on yourself. You are not practicing righteousness. You're practicing, basically, faith in yourself. You're not practicing faith in Jesus Christ. You're practicing faith in yourself. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. You might say, Pastor, is that the case? Look at, I want you to go to Galatians 5. And I want to just touch on this, and I know we've, we've gone a little bit longer here tonight. But let me just finish this. Galatians 5.13. And oftentimes when I looked at this passage, I would start at verse uh, 16. And even as I looked at it today, as I, was, as I was finishing off the preparation here, I went a few verses before, and it is interesting what is mentioned here in Galatians 5, verse 13, because it has to do with how we interact with others. And it's just like, Lord, this is, your spirit is saying again and again in different books, different authors as they're inspired because God is not a God that changes. He is the same. Listen to what it says, Galatians 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. To freedom, rather than working hard and I got to do this, I got to do that, call to freedom. We're just like, oh, I have a rest and a freedom in Christ. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh to do what your flesh craves, but through love serve one another. So here's this, well, we'll get into a little bit more here. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you are consumed by one another. So this, your interactions with others are going to be impacted, even as a believer, if we start to practice our own righteousness, our own effort. Now, the next number of verses tell us what's happening here spiritually and the result of this. Very, very distinct and clear. I say then, verse 16, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's uppercase S, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And now it talks about the flesh. If, the, if you practice your own righteousness, you are basically going by your effort, you are going by your flesh, and your flesh is contrary to the Holy Spirit. It says here, for the flesh lusts against the spirit 
and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So the things you want to do, you don't do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So even as you are attempting it, what does that mean? You're not under the law. It means that basically, even you don't even have to be trying to keep the law I'm for your righteousness. I'm going to be a good person. I know what's right and wrong, and I'm going to be a good person in my own effort. It's saying here, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Basically, you're not saved by the law or keeping of the law. You are saved by Jesus Christ and your faith in him. He fulfilled the law and the prophets, and our faith is in him for our righteousness. Now, look at what happens if we go according to practicing our own righteousness, our own effort. Just like Cain, he, he brought, hey, this is what I did. This is what I can do. And it's not acceptable to the Lord. This is what happens. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and the first four things mentioned are sexual sins. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And I just want to say this. Paul is not writing to the unbelievers here. He is writing to the churches in the province of Galatia, and he's saying to them, listen, if you want to attempt to do your life without practicing his righteousness in our life by faith, these are the things that will happen. These are extreme things. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So it's not just these. There's other things. And you know, hey, these are not good. They're not right before the Lord. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, as you practice your own righteousness, these things will happen then because you will not be able, your flesh is not being crucified. You say, come on, pastor. That's not what this said. Let's read on here. Galatians 5, verse 22. And this now is as we would begin to practice righteousness, his righteousness in our lives by faith. Look at what happens. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit is able to do a work in you that you could not do in yourself. But the fruit of the whole of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine things mentioned here. They're the fruit not of you. They're the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, when your faith is in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now, is you're not, your faith is not in yourself and your own effort for righteousness. It's in His righteousness on you by faith. And now the Holy Spirit begins to work on you like crazy. Listen, I thank God for that, that it's not me having to do these things. It's the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit that is coming out in me. And I just say, thank you, Lord. Am I perfect yet? No. But the Lord has done a, a beautiful work that I could never do on myself. It says, against such, there is no law. Now look at verse 24. And this is where it's tying in to the righteousness of Jesus. The sacrifice, like Abel's sacrifice, was acceptable to God. Your sacrifice, as you place your faith in the Lamb of God, 
and say, Father, here, I'm giving you the sacrifice. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified, your son for me. Look at what, it, what happens now. It says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You want to overcome the things of the flesh, addiction and, and whatever it may be, desires and whatever, these things that you're craving, right here it says that those who are Christ, as we grab a hold of his righteousness and who he is to us, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It is only by faith in who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. Hallelujah. Our flesh is crucified. And so, and this happens, we need to do this daily, daily, where we just say, Lord, or our acknowledgement, our faith from one day to the next is in Jesus Christ and him crucified for us. And our flesh is crucified with it so that we can overcome when temptation comes. I'm not saying a temptation won't come. I'm not saying that things won't come at you, but your flesh is crucified. And so it's put down and now you can deal with those things on a daily basis as they come up. Hallelujah. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So you're saying, hey, you are alive. You were born again, so you're alive in the Spirit. Now it says to walk in the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit daily, our walk, our daily walk with the Lord is empowered by the Holy Spirit because our faith is in his righteousness on us, practicing righteousness daily. It says, let us not become conceited. What is a conceited person? A conceited person says, I, I'm right. I can do it. Don't tell me what to do. So there's a declaration of I can do it on my own. That's a conceited person. I can do it on my own. I've got it all together. We go back to a place of practicing my own righteousness, and then I start to have problems. It says here, the next few things says, provoking one another. So now you start to have problems with others, envying one another. So we're irritating to others or we're desiring something that someone else has because we're conceited. We're conceited in the fact that our, right, our, our practice of righteousness is our own righteousness, as good as we can be. This is what happens. We provoke others and we tend to envy others. Thank God for his righteousness, to practice his righteousness in our lives. Um, I'm just going to go through this very quickly. Uh, going back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, there's a test of where we stand before the Lord. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother or sister abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Listen, if you are struggling with somebody else, I'm not saying that what they're doing, a brother or sister is doing that, that it may be, yeah, it may be wrong, but for goodness sake, if you can't love them and forgive them, basically your, your, your righteousness or the test here is, let me read again. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in, in him. The Lord is making it very extreme 
that's where we're at. If we hate our brother or sister, we, we, we have attitude or unforgiveness, whatever, towards them because of what they've done. Not to say that, that what they've done is, is acceptable. Could be, it could be very unacceptable, but still, we need to love and to forgive. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. There's this thing, again, if we want to be able to love the person that is, is irritating to us, our brother or sister, it is because he laid down his life for us, his righteousness, his sacrifice, practicing righteousness that is of the Lord. By this we know love, to be able to love, because he laid down his life for us and because he loved us. We know, oh, wow, that's amazing. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren and brothers and sisters. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up, shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, once again, the attitude is not of condemnation, but of just saying, hey, you're a child of God. God loves you. Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So not just talking, but our actions backing up what we're saying. So not just in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, and it, once again, that may cost us. It may be a sacrifice on our, on our part. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, once again, the heart of God saying, I, I love you. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So now, as I, I talked about the horse before the cart, now the, the horse or the cart before the horse, now the horse is before the cart. And look, it says, now we, we are able to keep his commandments because our righteousness, we're practicing righteousness, our faith is in Jesus Christ. Now look at what it says. It says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So it brings all the things of the law or whatever, the commandments, and he says that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another. We're able to love one another then. To practice righteousness is placing our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. The sacrifice of Abel, a lamb that was slain, was pleasing and acceptable to God. It has not changed. And the lamb that was slain for us is Jesus Christ. Th nothing has changed. It is the same it is acceptable to God. And with it, God says, hey, I want to give you, well, let me just list off a few things. And before I do, I just want to close with this uh, verse from Romans 1, 16, 17. Paul writing here. And Paul was the writer of the letter <clears throat> to, to Colossae. And also, uh, well, he had a good view on this. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for, the, for the, those that had the law and also for the Greek, the intellectual of the day. For in it, the righteousness of God, I like it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that it would grow, your faith would grow and grow and grow. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, 
who died for us. That is the gospel. As it is written, the just, those that are in right standing with God, shall live by faith. That is practicing righteousness. My faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right, so just to summarize, my faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified daily. So as I daily place my faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for me once and for all 2,000 years ago is practicing righteousness. So here's what happens. It allows me to stop working to be righteous. Stop working to be righteous. You will never do it. I, I couldn't either. Neither could Paul. He couldn't do it. My old man, when I start to place my faith in Jesus Christ, so practicing righteousness, my old man, my flesh, is crucified with its passions and lusts. Stuff you're struggling with, crucified. It needs to be done daily. It puts me in right standing. As my faith is in or practicing righteousness in Jesus Christ and him crucified, it puts me in right standing before God. We are as we ought to be before him. It also allows the Holy Spirit to start working in me and on me to change me. Praise God. And not only does he change me, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit begins to grow in me and starts to, to help me in dealing with others. It allows me to love my brothers and sisters in the Lord, this practicing of righteousness. And finally, I join Christ and even as he destroyed the works of the devil, I joined Christ in overcoming and destroying the works of the devil in my life and in my interactions with others. Praise God. Listen, I just want to close in a prayer, prayer at this point. I know it's been a longer message, but um, powerful if we grab a hold of it. Just a prayer for, for salvation if you're out there and you just say, oh my goodness, I didn't know any of this and I, I'm, I'm not a believer in Jesus Christ or I maybe slipped away. I just want to pray for you and also then to pray that we would all practice righteousness and love our brothers and sisters. So for the unbeliever, if you would just pray with me, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I want to be in right standing with you. So I place my faith in the Lamb of God that was given, Jesus Christ given and sacrificed for me, a sacrifice for me so that I can be in right standing with God. I believe that. I believe it. And I receive Jesus into my life. I allow him to come in and be my Lord in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I pray not just for those that may have given their life to you, but, Lord, I pray for all of us as, as believers. Lord, I pray that we would practice not our own righteousness, but we would practice righteousness as we place our faith in you daily so that we can love our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray there will be such a love demonstrated, not because it's, it's forced or it's like, a, oh, man, do I really have to do this? But, Lord... It is because of your spirit doing a work on us because our faith is in you, Jesus, and what you did for us, and so many things are happening. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Bless my dear brothers and sisters here at the Lighthouse and those that would be listening and across the city and this land and around the globe. Lord, I pray blessing on each and every one that they would practice righteousness, that we would be in right standing with you right until the day of the Lord. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. And uh, next week we'll be starting on the beginning of chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, putting a lot of this stuff into practical, practical use and um, Jesus being preeminent in our lives. So have a great week, and uh, we will catch you next Wednesday. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.